0: Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM.
1: It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Welcome. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the faculty chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hi, Fred. And we are happy to be joined today by the Deputy Director of the California Department of Motor Vehicles, Bernard Soriano. Welcome, Bernard.
2: Uh, Hi, Alan. Hi, Fred. Thanks for having me on the show. It's an honor to be here.
1: Well, on your side of the country this week at Automobility LA, Waymo CEO John Krafchick told an audience that he's ready to put passengers in self-driving cars, driverless cars. Drum roll, please without an accompanying driver or monitor. He said the change is, quote, coming soon. Bernard, seems like Waymo has been on the edge of this for a few weeks now.
2: Yeah, Waymo has been at this for quite some time. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, Google or Waymo was one of the uh, was the one who brought autonomous vehicles to the forefront of people's thinking. I mean, when just a few short years ago, they made public what they were doing in this space. And for the first time, people began to realize that this self-driving car concept was uh, or a self-driving car thing was more than just a concept. Right. It was more than just a far off dream. It's, it's quickly becoming a reality. And it truly is an exciting time. So good, good things that are, are, are happening. And we're excited to see what transpires.
1: Alan, we've been talking about this, uh, and it looks like, well, coming soon.
0: Uh, Yes, and um, I I hope they don't delay it two weeks uh, in their announcement, as they did when they moved the person to the back seat. They tell us right away, or that the first passenger that actually gets a ride and looks around the vehicle and says, my goodness, uh, there's nobody from Waymo here, will, you know, tell the world
1: well waymo is also seeing its fleet saying that its fleet has now reached uh, 4 million self-driven miles that's pretty important too right
0: well yes well, of course i mean that's, that's a non-trivial number what what about that bernard much of that's yeah, in california so, you know
2: that, that that's a that's quite a big number and they've been testing for a number of years here in california in fact Waymo was the third company that was approved for an autonomous vehicle testing permit. And before they, they were even permitted, uh, before we had our regulations in place, they had been testing in our state for quite some time. So they've, they've got quite a bit of experience. They've got quite a bit of, um, knowledge about the streets, as well as quite a bit of on-road, um, testing, uh, with their, with their technology as they have, as they've developed it. Um, you know, you've, we've got to we've got to encourage this testing, and we've got to ensure that the uh, the products are safe before they're deployed. So, um, you know, the more testing uh, the better.
1: Now, a lot of this is also taking place uh, where Waymo has been picking up passengers in in and around the Phoenix area as well, Bernard. Last month, you, re- you released revised regulations for driverless testing and public use of autonomous vehicles. Give us an idea where things stand now in California.
2: Yeah, so we, we released the revised regulations last month, and those were, were revisions to the initially published regulations um, from earlier this year. Uh, and we're now going through the formal rulemaking process, and that entails analyzing all of the comments that we've received on those revised regulations. And we're in the middle of that process, and we're working towards getting uh this done getting it approved and getting it effective uh in the first quarter of of next year of 2018 so we're excited about it and uh, it's something that we've been looking forward to and uh we're hopeful that um you know we're at the uh we're at the tail end of having our deployment regulations as well as our completely driverless testing regulations in place for all of the uh, all of the companies
1: now, Lyft has been granted a permit, I think this week from the state of California to test autonomous vehicles on public roads. What can you tell us about that?
2: yeah, so you're right lyft was uh was recently given a autonomous vehicle permit. They were the forty fifth company that has been approved since we've had the regulations in place uh those regs have been in place since september twenty fourteen and um you know at the end of 2014, we had seven companies that were approved. And then at the end of, uh, 2015, we had, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of, I believe, a dozen companies and it's just ballooned. Uh, so we're at number 45 and, um, and Lyft is, um, uh, approved to, to conduct their testing. Uh, we've met with them. We, uh, we uh, have some understanding about what their intent is. Um and uh we're we are we are excited to see them uh with their permit so they can uh they can do their uh their work. Um you know we uh we're really looking forward to having those um regulations completed so that uh companies that are in a position to um to uh, uh do some completely driverless testing will have a venue or a, a path to do so.
0: So with respect to that, Bernard. Has anyone yet done uh, taking you up on your driverless piece? In other words, actually put vehicles on the road that had only passengers or had no one in the the vehicle on just a normal California roadway?
2: Yeah, so, Alan, to answer that question, uh, no, no company has – uh driven a vehicle completely driverless on our roadways uh, and that's because our our current regulations prevent that our current regulations allow for manufacturers testing of an autonomous vehicle but we also require a safety driver to be in the vehicle during testing and so with this new set of regulations um, will will have the ability or manufacturers will have the ability to conduct testing without a safety driver so this will be the first time that they'll be able to do that
0: but but no one's taken you up on that yet
2: no and and it's because they they can't uh, because uh legally our, our our regulations are not uh not uh, completed they're not approved and they're not effective yet. Uh, but once they are then companies would be able to uh, to avail themselves of the um, of of completely driverless testing
1: so and you, when- you're expecting <laughs> to see that in 2018 i i gather
2: right well what we will have is will we expect to have the the um the the process in place for companies to be able to conduct completely driverless testing should they be in a position to do so
1: what about trucks how do they fit into the scenario from your perspective?
2: Right. That's a, that's a great question. So trucks and commercial vehicles is the next step and uh, because our current regulations, as well as our proposed and revised regulations that we're working on now, have, have a limit. Uh, we, we're regulating vehicles that are under 10,000 pounds, um, and so passenger vehicles. We're not um, considering commercial vehicles just yet. Commercial vehicles will be the next step that we take. So we envision starting to work on that, uh, working on commercial vehicles after we are done with the completely driverless testing and deployment regulations. Uh, so we're looking at, uh, 2018 to begin that work.
1: Can you share with us what, what you feel some of your biggest challenges at the, at the DMV are with regard to all this?
2: Well, yeah, there are a lot of challenges with autonomous vehicles and uh, what we're finding is first of all with our current regulations our current testing regulations uh, as i said there are 45 companies that are approved for testing and though they have to test like i said with a safety driver on board as part of their permit they have to do a couple things one they have to give us an annual report of what we're calling the disengagements of the of the technology basically whenever the technology um needed to hand over control of the vehicle to the safety driver uh there needed to there needs to be an accounting of that so they we get that report on an annual basis uh we also get reports of any crashes that have occurred during testing and to date there have been 51 crashes and um uh those crashes i i'll make a a generalization in that those crashes have been you know By and large, very minor. Uh, The typical scenario is that an autonomous vehicle coming up on an intersection and uh, coming to a complete stop at a red light before making a right-hand turn. Or coming up on an intersection and stopping at a red light, and as the light turns green, slowly accelerating. Um, And in that process, uh, a vehicle, a conventionally driven vehicle, um, bumping or, or striking the autonomous vehicle at low speed, somewhere in the neighborhood of a mile to five miles an hour. Um, and that highlights something that is, is an issue. And, and that's how mixed traffic is going to occur. Uh, more importantly, how we as traditional drivers are going to behave around an autonomous vehicle. Uh, we're not used to being around vehicles or other drivers. That follow the letter of the law, uh, for example, we're used to if the light turns yellow and we're approaching an intersection we're used to cars in front of us going through that intersection as opposed to slowing down, getting ready to stop and so we're seeing these types of crashes happen and um, and so there's there's a challenge there and it's uh, the challenge is how the public behaves around autonomous vehicles and one way to overcome that is. Uh, um some sort of public education some sort of way to to notify the public and to educate the public about autonomous vehicles and how the vehicles themselves operate on our roadways um you know I like to joke to, and say that these vehicles drive like like my grandmother drove and and we're not used to that we as society are, are not used to that we need to be able to recognize that these vehicles are going to follow the letter of the law, and we need to alter our behavior to accommodate those vehicles on our roadways.
1: I was going to say my guess is, Bernard, that if you went a day in California with 51 minor accidents, you'd consider that a really good day <laughs> with traditional <laughs> drivers.
2: Right. So that's, um, that's a good point, right? We're looking at a very small sample size right now. And, you know, we have what 20, you know, we have 28 license, 28 million licensed drivers in, in California, 30, uh, 33 million registered vehicles in California. And, um, the, these types of crashes that happen, these minor fender bender crashes are not reportable. Um, so trying to do a, a deep dive into comparing autonomous vehicles and the crash rates uh, with autonomous vehicles versus the crash rates with the general public is, is going to be tough. We've got, uh, we've got some staff on board now that are, are going to be looking at the, uh, at the crash reports and, um, and doing an analysis on it to, to kind of gain some understanding, generally speaking, about how autonomous vehicles are, um, are behaving on our roadways and relative to crashes. And uh, so it would be interesting to see what type of um, results we get. But you're right. Um, Looking overall in terms of the number of crashes that have happened, um, you know, first of all, we're looking at a very small sample size. So um, more to be seen. But the the conventional wisdom is that autonomous vehicles will no doubt reduce the, uh, the number of crashes that have occurred. We just don't know by how much.
0: Well, uh, Bernard, it seems like um, uh, your findings are are basically putting all this between somewhat of a rock and and a hard place. Uh, Because on the one hand, um, uh, these vehicles are following um, uh, traffic rules and the the letter of the law. And um, and, uh, therefore, they're not um, um, in sync with us that basically uh, flaunt the law. And uh, so the, um, you know, uh, the the move forward would be either we all start to follow the letter of the law or we program these vehicles to uh, flaunt the law the way we flaunt it or something in between. I mean, how are we going to how are we really going to deal with being between this rock and hard place?
2: Yeah, Alan, that's a I mean, that's a great question and, and a question that's been been asked for a number of years now because as the technology was was being developed these are pragmatic issues that need to be solved in order for full scale adoption i think i think it's clear that um many of us would like to see the technology in place we'd like to see the um uh the benef- we we'd like to see the benefits uh be realized and uh and one way to do that is to have that very question answered about, you know, what is the correct way for a vehicle to be traversing on our roadways? Um, we have a set of laws that are in place that we are, are to follow. And, and you and I know that, you know, while it is 65 miles an hour on the freeway, you know, if you do travel 65 miles on the freeway, you're, you're slowing down some, some traffic in, in, in certain areas. Um, so we we operate um, a little differently than what um, uh what the way that we're supposed to be operating and um, and and the question about how autonomous vehicles are are supposed to operate you know that's that's an open question uh, right now but you're right it's 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 one that uh, is being being asked uh, uh it's uh, no doubt going to be answered I'm just not sure exactly how yeah Alan- and- in it's New ta-
1: Jersey, where, where you and I are, we've got a, a new governor arriving in January. How much uh, hope do you have that uh, there's going to be real progress in the Garden State?
0: Well, uh, since we haven't had any progress in the past eight years, I guess, uh, you know, anything is better than nothing. Uh, I guess that's a pretty harsh statement that I just made, but um, I think it's uh, it's pretty much true. So I think that, that um, at least um, in, in, during the campaign, uh, the new governor did indicate that, yes, uh, New Jersey would like to be involved in science and technology and uh, and uh, this new form of mobility. So um, I'm very optimistic. Uh, uh, we desperately need, um, need some improvements in mobility in this state. Um, uh, we haven't been a player up to this point and um and we should um, we should we shouldn't just leave it all to bernard in california i mean we should have um, our share of the action too and uh, and hopefully uh with um, with a new voice in in trenton um we can uh, we can actually move in that direction uh we have a lot to fix with our conventional systems uh but uh, we should uh, really um look to, uh, for the opportunities and in some sense, uh, leapfrog California. You know, they've 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 gone out there and, and set the standard. But um, we should just um, leapfrog over
2: them and do even better. How about that, Bernard? <laughs> <laughs> well, Alan, you know, the, uh, <laughs> you're much too kind with your uh, with your complimentary um, comments towards myself and, and California. But we. We we don't see this as a race, and we don't see this as a competition. Um, you know, we we want to get this right. Uh, we don't want. To, we're not interested in being um, um, being first. We want to. We want to get this right because uh, what does happen in California tends to influence what happens across the country, and uh, and so it it's in our best interest to to make sure that uh, what we do in California is is right and makes sense. And uh, and keeps the motoring public safe, uh, which is what our charge is. Um, and then that yes. being said, uh, that being said, about about making sure we coordinate with other states. You know, California is actively involved in um, uh, the American Association of Motor Vehicle Administrators, or AMVA, which is made up of all of the different states, and California is the chair of the autonomous vehicle working group. Uh, to, so that we ensure that we have some consistency throughout the country um, relative to how autonomous vehicles are being administered.
0: So, Bernard, yes, we, of course, uh, really appreciate what California has done uh, there and uh, and uh, want to learn from what you've done and, uh, and both help us and help you uh, improve even more. And, uh, I think that that's, uh, that's a sense of cooperation that, that, that we all want. We have a few, uh, different challenges than what California has, uh, in part, in part with weather and some aspects, density and other aspects, older infrastructure. Uh, but, uh, I think again, um, uh, the, the, uh, everybody looks to, to, uh, work together because it seems like there's there's only good news associated with this technology.
1: We have a couple of other things we want to touch on as well, guys. Uh, TechCrunch is reporting that the Russian software company Yandek has taken its prototype self-driving taxi out for a real-world test in the snow last weekend. It wasn't on public roads, though, but the Prius prototypes drove about 300 kilometers in all, Alan, snow is pretty challenging for the technology when lane markings and and those kinds of things are no longer visible.
0: Well, of course. I mean, it's challenging for us. That's why, you know, on on I-70 in in Vail Pass, they have these big poles that are red that that will stick out, uh, you know, above the snow so that we can see an edge. So, uh, in some sense, uh, these vehicles are going to um, have to sense uh, those markings uh, to be able to uh, to to deal with it
1: interesting and finally the consulting firm kpmg has a study out this week that says self-driving car services like those planned by uber and lyft and others could cut demand for sedans in half in the next 12 years the study goes on to say many families by 2030 will no longer need to own a sedan for commuting day-to-day things but May continue to own a larger vehicle for longer trips. Your thoughts?
0: Uh whatever. I mean, it's somebody. I, I don't know. Um, it really depends on to the extent uh, that uh, that the mobility is uh, is offered at an affordable price, and that we really do uh, have the driverless out there safe. Um, as I to have that many trips uh, served such that you give up um, uh, that many vehicles, uh, you have to be driverless. Uh, Uber, Lyft, DD can't do it. There aren't enough um, uh, gig workers to provide that mobility. Uh, So you can only get to that point with with, uh, driverless, uh, with the ability to put the vehicles out there without a driver. And as uh, Bernard has indicated, um, they've yet to go the first mile in California that way. So until we get there and uh, really show that that is acceptable and that the way these things drive are the way people like to travel and are, are willing to basically reach in their pockets and pay for it and pay for that instead of going down to the local Chevy dealer and buying a, a car, um, um, that's what it's going to require. So um, uh, we have a long way to go yet—a long way technologically to go. It could go very fast, as we've discussed discussed in the past. Uh, but uh, you know, those are those are uh, 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 forecasts that um, you know somebody just has their wet finger up in the air and whatever.
1: Well, that's it for this edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We want to thank Bernard Soriano from the California Department of Motor Vehicles for joining us. Find us at SmartDrivingCar.com, SoundCloud, and look for my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening.